Thanks for joining us for the Bread of Life, a ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise. To contact us, call us at 208-331-4096. That number again is 208-331-4096. We are continuing a study in the book of Hebrews. It's been said that the theme of the book of Hebrews is everything better in Christ. But it's more than that. The author's theme is everything culminated, everything fulfilled, everything answered in Jesus. He is our bread of life. Now here's Joel Van Hoogen. This should be obvious to everyone, but unfortunately it isn't. You reap what you sow. God has made this world with a moral law woven into it, and when you buck against that law, it bucks against you. And you or someone after you will pay the consequences when you do. It's a law hard and fast. If you attempt to comfort yourself by saying that what you've done wrong won't matter, you're wrong. That's not where your comfort is found. It is found in an even greater law than the moral law. It's the law of grace. Take your Bibles and turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Our passage will be from 25 to 28, but let me begin reading in verse 18 of Hebrews chapter 12. For you are not come under the mount that can be touched and that burned with fire, nor into blackness and darkness and tempest and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words, which voice that they heard and they entreated that that word should not be spoken to them anymore, for they could not endure that which was commanded. And if so much as a beast touched the mountain, it will be stoned or thrust through with a dart. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. But you are come unto Mount Zion and unto the city of the living God and the heavenly Jerusalem and to an innumerable company of angels to the general assembly or the festive assembly and the church of the firstborn which are written in heaven and to the God, the judge of all and to the spirits of just men, righteous men made perfect and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. Now in verse 25 and reading from the New King James. See that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall you not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. But now he is promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not only the earth but also heaven. Now this yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. Let's bow our heads and pray. How awesome and terrible are you in your majesty and might. How potent in your holiness. How pure in all of your attributes. Oh God, how urgent and desirous are you of our lives and our hearts and our worship and our yielding before you. What great gulf you have Spanned at the cross where you died for our sins to make us clean and right and to bring us into your presence. With what zeal you long to see us there. 
And yet, O oh God, your judgments have not changed, nor has your justice. You still are to be feared, awesome and powerful. Lord, now before your words, speak to us and cause us to love you and exult in you and fear you, tenderly fear you. In Jesus' name, amen. God has spoken. That's the contention at the very beginning of the book of Hebrews. God has spoken, it says, through the prophets, we're told. But then we're told that God has now spoken through his son, Jesus Christ. They spoke in order to convey to us God's will and God's purpose for all people. And now God culminates the speech of the prophets in the person of Jesus Christ. And in both cases, God is letting us know, or we should understand, that God is not simply speaking out to nothing, but that God is speaking to us human beings. When God spoke to humans by way of Moses on Mount Sinai, His voice shook the earth. And on that occasion, He pronounced before them His moral law that was to govern the way that they were to live with one another. And it is a moral law that still governs all of life today and all that God has made. And it's a law that you cannot escape. You disobey the moral law and it will come down upon you. God spoke it on earth and as he spoke it, the earth rattled with the impact of that word being spoken and the consequence of that word being spoken. And let's let this be our first point. And very quickly, our first point is this. You cannot escape the moral law of God that was spoken on Mount Sinai, that shook the earth, and I should tell you, it still shakes out things still today. It's still shaking out things today. You cannot escape the moral law. When God created the universe, God set up the universe to be governed by physical laws that would regulate it, and those physical laws spin on and on and on throughout all of time. They're mathematical, and they're a part of God's first speech. But at the same time that God set up his universe with physical laws, he also set up the math of a moral law that he wove as a law throughout all that he had made. And now, we've said this before, we've said it a number of times, you really can't break a physical law. You can only prove a physical law. You go and jump off a cliff and you will not break the law of gravity. You will prove the law of gravity and it will break you if you go against it. In the same way that you can't break a physical law, you also, in this sense, can't break a moral law either. These laws are absolute and they are woven in God's universe and they govern it. And the moral law is not some arbitrary value system of sanctimonious people. The moral law is the fixed law of an absolute and holy God who is the creator of all things, and it's the moral law that's to regulate His creation. The moral law of God is like a fiber of moral truth that holds together the integrity of life so that life can be sustained, and so out of life we might reap all the good and beneficial purposes that God has for us. And when you try to twist or deform that law by perverting it or subverting it or denying it or going against it or disobeying it, and you try to mess with that 
reality that holds together the integrity of life, it will whip back on you. You'll suffer the consequences because you can't escape it. You cannot escape the moral law of God. The whole of the Old Testament is, in a sense, a historical lesson using Israel as the case study that you cannot escape the consequences of defying the moral law of God. They were given the moral law. They were told the personal and national consequences of disobeying that law, and they disobeyed it. And over and over again, if you read through your Old Testament accounts, in little ways and big ways, as they tried to get around the law of God, you'll find out they couldn't, or at least they couldn't get out away from the consequence of it. Through neglect, they tried to do without that law, but the law would not do without them. Judgment came upon them over and over and over again as a result, and you cannot get away from that conclusion if you carefully read the account of the Old Testament and how God dealt with Israel over and over and over again. The other day I was listening to the lecture of a secular clinical psychologist, and he was speaking with reference to this moral law. He called it the natural law, just a natural law that governs human life. He made this comment. It was rather quite telling. Listen to this. Quote, In all my years as a clinical psychologist, I have never seen anyone get away with anything at all, not even once. What I see is that someone twists the fabric of reality and they do it successfully or so they think because it doesn't snap back on them at that moment and then two years later, something unravels and they get walloped. They come and meet with me, basically said, and I say, what happened? They said, well, before you got walloped, well, this happened. Well, what happened before that? Well, this happened. What happened before that? Well, this happened. What happened before that? Oh, this happened. Where you defied that law, where someone defied that law and brought this down. He concludes, we walk on a very fine line. And if you are not existentially terrified of wavering off that line, you're not truly awake. End quote. Growing up, you know, we used to think that our mother was the primary agent of the moral law. And we began to think that we couldn't get away with anything because it seemed that any time you got off line, she heard it, she discovered, she was on you. And so, well, what we learned later on was that one of her regular prayers were, God, let me catch them when they're misbehaving. We learned it ourselves. We prayed it ourselves. Lord, let us catch them when they're doing these things. And well, we got older and we found out to our surprise that our mother wasn't omniscient. But God is. God is omniscient and He's all-seeing and it's His law and you cannot escape His law or the consequence of breaking those laws. It's mathematical. It's exact. It's true for all men. It's what God has set down upon His creation. And God spoke that law on earth at Mount Sinai and the people could not escape the consequences of ignoring that speech and that law. No one can. Now that's our first point. Let's hear give you a little thought here to transition. I've got two different transitional thoughts here. Let's look at the first transitional thought here to kind of continue to make our point. The question for us now is if God spoke the law on earth and you can't escape that law, what is it that God speaks from heaven? Because in our passage it says, now God is speaking a message from heaven that's going to cause earth and the heavens to shake. And we're told that God is speaking at this very time, according to the passage, and he's not booming out a law on earth, but he's, he's giving a speech from heaven. 
If you've read all of the book of Hebrews, you'll see that the speech that's coming from heaven is God not speaking through Moses, but God speaking through the voice of Jesus Christ. And that in heaven, Jesus is declaring his triumph on our behalf over the inescapable demands of the moral law that we fail to keep. That's what's being declared in heaven right now for us. He's fulfilled their demands, the law's demands. Jesus Christ has come to earth, we learn, as we read through our passages of Hebrews. He's kept all the law without any sin. And yet, in the face of every kind of temptation, He's kept it. And He's laid down His sinless life as a payment for our sins and our sinful lives. So that He would bear the brunt of the snapback of the law that we have broken. And that would snap back on Himself. And He's risen to life to gather all who come to Him in faith into his salvation and to raise us up in himself and bring us into the presence of a holy God so that we could enjoy God, the judge of all the earth and heaven, and that we could live rejoicing with gladness in his presence. And that's the picture, by the way, that is just put before us just prior to this and the verses just prior to the ones we're considering. Angels, holy angels, Angels that were once instruments of the bringing the commandment of the moral law and carrying out God, the force of God's judgment now gathered around the throne in festivity and celebration and we with them rejoicing in God's presence. That's what Christ has made possible for us because he bore the brunt of the law in our place. Thanks for joining us today. To learn more about the Bread of Life ministry, go to breadoflifeboise.org. There you can also contact us with requests for this or other messages. Please join us in our next broadcast. Until then, may God bless you.